Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It's Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is one of the best wrestlers we've seen in the United States. Eric Guerrero, three-time national champ at Oklahoma State, four-time U.S. Open champ, 2004 Olympian, and then as a coach, he went on to coach at Oklahoma State with John Smith, where they won four team titles. And kind of as a surprise to the wrestling world, he left Oklahoma State and went to the Oklahoma RTC. And we talk about that. We talk about, you know, why he did that. We also get into what his kind of mindset was when he was an athlete. And I think it's really interesting to know that this guy never even owned a TV until after he was done wrestling. And he's also a big family guy. And he talks about the impact of family, both as a coach and as an athlete. And it was just a really, really refreshing conversation. I enjoyed it a ton, and I hope to get Eric back on the show. Now, for past episodes, please visit WrestlingChangeMyLife.org. We're going to be renovating the site soon. We're going to be adding merchandise. And we're also working on a secret project right now, which is kind of like a 30 for 30 documentary, but for wrestling. So we'll release that soon. And without further ado, we take you to Norman, Oklahoma, for this conversation with Eric Guerrero. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Enjoy the show. Well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about 6 o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in, and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was... I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. Eric Guerrero, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you, my friend? Great, Ryan. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Absolutely. Um, man, I, there are so many places to start with this. As I mentioned to you earlier this week, you know, I was there in Indianapolis in 04 when you made the team, and you know, I grew up near Iowa City, and so remember the 97 Nationals where you wrestled Mena. So of all those places to start, though, I'd love to just go back to kind of your childhood and, and what that was like, because I don't know a ton about that. So like, where'd you grow up, and kind of how'd you get involved with the sport? You know, that's, that's a great question. It's, believe it or not, that's a question I, I find myself asking a lot of people. Um, just in conversation and passing, I think uh, the one thing we all have in common is a childhood, right? And we all come from two parents, and and uh, there's just no set formula for how people um, find themselves in wrestling. We just seem to find ourselves in wrestling. So, um, you know, I, I always enjoy that question. I actually enjoy talking about my family. Um, you know, I come from a large family. My My dad's one of 11. Um, on that Guerrero side, and I have 52 cousins on that side. Um, there are 10 girls and 42 boys. And and just about everybody wrestled. Um, there's a few that didn't, but you know, um, but just about everybody did. Um, uh, my dad wrestled. Uh, his brothers wrestled in high school. Um, my dad went on to wrestle a little bit at the junior college level. Um, anybody that's familiar with California, they got a great junior college uh, interstate system. Um, he wrestled in that for College of Sequoias and then went to Fresno State. My godfather, my dad's older brother, Fred, wrestled at Wyoming. 
And then my uncle Gene, my dad, one of my dad's younger brothers, wrestled at uh, Cal State Bakersfield for Joe C. So it was just a, it was a, a family sport to say the least. Um, just something we really got involved in, um, all of us, and uh, it's just become a, a tremendous part of our lives. You know, luckily, um, you know, we've had uh, you know people like my grandmother and my mother who are just very supportive of that. My wife, my wife comes from a wrestling family. I'm married to Kristen Blair Guerrero. Um, her grandfather was uh, Peter Steele Blair, two-time NCAA champ at Navy, Olympic bronze medalist in Melbourne. So, I mean, we're just I mean, we wow. are just a wrestling a wrestling family, so to speak. And so when did it go for you from being something you did kind of more recreationally to, hey, I'm thinking about this all the time. I'm obsessed. I'm going to the cadet worlds and in that level. Because I, I read a story that that's where you first met Satya. I was at the 93 cadet worlds. And yeah, that's pretty young to kind of have those experiences. So when did when did it switch for you? So to being something you were deeply committed to. Twelve, I I I I can distinctly remember something happening between when I was eleven and and when I eleven and turned twelve that something happened in there. I, I'm not sure what it was. Um, I, I can just think of a few things leading up to that. Uh, my cousin Ruben uh, had won a state championship in California and. I want to say 1986 and, and watching him that do that was was really inspirational um you know and a lot of things happen you watch the olympic games and, and you watch NCAA championships and, and just watch these things take place and these events occur and and i can't you know pinpoint and i can't say you know like I, I was inspired by any one particular thing i just remember somewhere around 12 years old just feeling really obsessed with it and, and inspired and, and and going i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and from there the the rest is history you 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 went to high school in california i believe then you got to oklahoma state was there any other schools mm-hmm. you're considering besides oklahoma state oh, oh sure you know i had family at arizona state um you know competing and and i think everybody pretty much thought I was going to do that um go that route and um there's a lot of schools I, I looked at Minnesota pretty hard okay um you know Jay, a lot of people don't know Jay Rob Jay Robinson's actually from San Diego California did you know that I knew he was from California I didn't know he was from San Diego that night he went to Oklahoma State yeah he's from, he's from he's from down down in that area and and okay. uh, and he and the, he was he was the pretty magnetic personality um, and uh, a couple other schools, you know, I had pleasure of talking with Coach Gable a little bit about it. And, you know, in the end, I, I kind of just decided to do my own thing and, and um, made a decision. I mean, when you got John Smith coming in your coming in your uh, in your life, that's got to be a pretty powerful force. Did he ever make any home visits out there, or maybe what was that experience like having having John Smith recruit you? I did. He, he does a good home visit. He does. He, he got along really well with my family and my mom. And, uh, and he's a, a personable guy. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a good experience. You know, um, I was really, uh, you know, kind of really was, I remember watching Kendall Cross beat my brother and, you know, when they were younger and, and, and he always just stood out in my mind as somebody I kind of 
watched and emulated and, and you know Kendall was a big big part of uh, that draw for me you know I didn't know him real well personally at the time but uh, but uh, just followed his career and, and you know something about the way he wrestled and you know uh, I think uh, you know it, it, I'd be remiss to not mention the fact that that was a huge draw for me you know well, and how uh, how random is it that you know Cross beats Terry Brands in '96? Uh, Brands, I, I think, beat you in the finals in 2000 or the trials. In the 2004, you beat Zadek, who's an Iowa guy. So that weight was back and forth between Oklahoma State and Iowa um, you know, for quite some time there. And I, I think before that, you know, probably you know John Smith maybe had it in '92. I'm not sure, but you know just ironic that you looked up to Kendall Cross and you know, lo and behold, most of your career, you were in some, some pretty high profile matches against Iowa guys, as was he. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never thought of it like that, but you know, that's probably a, um, you know, maybe, maybe indicative of the energy that was putting in, putting into those two programs at the time, those particular yeah. weight classes. Yeah. Yeah, sure. No, I've never thought about it like that, but that's, that's interesting it's just, point. Yeah, just, was looking at some uh, connections coming in. Yeah, I just wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Just wasn't yeah. Uh, wasn't sure if that ever came into play. Um, now, when you were a, a competitor, I'd love to get into like kind of what was your like what was your mindset during training, or did you do a lot of visualization or self talk at all? Like when you, before a big match, um, kind of to get yourself ready. You know, there's like an ebb and flow. You, you know, to, to say that there was like this one blueprint that that you find that works for you all the time, um, I never found that. You know, maybe, maybe some people have. You know, I never did. Um, you know, um, it, it varied. It varied. You know, between where I was at in my life at that point as a competitor. You know, it varied based on sometimes the competition. You know, I mean, to be perfectly honest, you know. Um, we put more effort in competitions when we, when we feel a true threat, you know, and sometimes you don't always feel a threat. Um, and right. you know, that can go good and it can go bad. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of, like I said, there's kind of this, this, this ebb and flow to thing. And, and, the, and the closer you can move towards consistency, obviously the, the, the more consistent you feel and that's usually reflected in your results, but not always the case, right? Wrestling's not this, 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 uh, this cause and effect relationship where I put a quarter in a slot machine and I punch, you know, you know, Pepsi Cola and then I get exactly what I want. I mean, that's just not the way it goes. So, um, there was an ebb and flow to it. There was sometimes I was probably, you know, more diligent about, you know, writing notes and taking notes and, and focusing on like getting everything down on paper. And then there was sometimes maybe more focused on just clearing my mind and, 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 and wrestling from all positions. And, and you go through that and you go through that and you refine that over time and, and you hope to have a, uh, uh, you know, a system, a product that you can rely on, um, when you need it. But, um, you know, but probably more so than any of that, more so than any of that, um, for better or worse, I kind of just kept my world real small. And that seemed to okay. serve me probably better than anything. Meaning, um, I remember not having television for a long time. I can actually remember getting television right after I retired. And I say television, I mean like cable TV, like 
like going and buying a TV and like plugging, like ordering cable on like direct TV in like 2005, you know, <laughs> I mean, and just like, like I, re- I really remember that. Like, I really remember going, I'm going to get a TV. Like this, I'm going to start watching TV and just, you know, just kind of kept my world real, real small. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that's the way to go. I think sometimes you need a, you, 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 you need some outside influence. But for me, that felt, that was like the thing that I sacrificed, if that makes sense. And I think when you sacrifice things, you feel like you're giving something up and, 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 and you're having to go without and it just makes you grittier and whether it truly is or not, you know, as long as it's doing that in your mind, you feel like you're moving in the right direction. So more so than all these Absolutely. things we discussed, I just try to go, I really try to go without. That was big. I was really big on going without denying myself certain luxuries that I felt was going to make me gritty and tough. And, and that one that sticks out my mind that I went without the longest was TV. Just didn't care. Just, just didn't care what the outside world thought. Didn't care what other people thought. I didn't read the paper. I didn't read wrestling magazines. Just didn't care. Only thing that mattered to me was laser focused, lasered in, man. Laser focused, yeah, but but we're just you know like I, I honestly can say this: didn't care what the outside world thought. And and I know that sounds terrible, and 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 I can't imagine you know at forty one, you know thinking that now, but you know I'd look think back and like, yeah, wow, I I really thought that at the time. Um, I kind of some days wish that I didn't care so much what the outside world thinks at my age now, but, uh, yeah. but uh, you have to a little bit. You have to. It's kind of a liberating thought, though, right? To be so um, so insulated on this one thing that you kind of control what comes in and, and you keep most of it out. So what was it, what was kind of like a day in the life like for you back in, you know, 0203 as you're gearing up for the 04 Olympics? So, you know, it was you and Jamil and, and DC mm-hmm. and you know, King mm-hmm. Mo was in there. Um, he was, was, he was. But a lot of guys, Teague Moore, people don't know, Teague Moore was in there. Um, yeah. These reigns might not ring a bell to people, but a guy named Reggie Wright was in there. And uh, we had a guy named Derek Jones. I know he's not a household name, but he was had some great wins under his belt. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys in there. So I just didn't want to, you know, not, yeah. not, not mention them. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead with your question. No, no, no. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, the, the Gator Club back then, it was kind of the, the club. I mean, you had Sunkiss, but you had the Gator Club, and they they really uh, you dominated for a while there. But, like, what was it like for you in kind of 0203 where you don't have a TV? Like, what what was the regime like for you? Would you wake up and train early? And, like, what was the program you guys had going on back then? You know, it was um, – one thing that I think is kind of important to note, and I think Jamil and Daniel would agree with this, that it wasn't – like we all got up and we did things at the exact same time. You know, I, I don't think Jamil Kelly was trying to be Eric Guerrero and, and I wasn't trying to be Daniel Cormier. And I don't think anybody was trying to be something that they weren't, you know, um, Jamil did things that I didn't do. And I did some things that Jamil didn't do. And, you know, DC did some things that, that, that nobody did. And then sometimes he didn't do some things the rest of us did. Right. Uh, but, what, <laughs> but what, but what was present, you know, um, was a little sense of accountability. Like, hey, even lifting, I've seen a weight room. Uh, oh, well, yeah, you know, I ran the other morning. 
Yeah, you got to keep lifting. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Just like there's just always this like this sense of accountability, um, whether it be had a bad day at practice, and 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 I know I'm going off tangent here a little bit. Um, Not at all. You know, but um, there's just a sense of accountability. You know, I just I think everybody's very comfortable with who they were and what they were trying to do, and 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 we were there to help each other and and uh, hold each other accountable and and bounce ideas off each other. But I'd say a typical day was was get up and train. You know, some days that was a lift, some days that was a run, some days that was a drill. You know, and go home and eat and, and come back and train again in the afternoon. It was always about two a days, always about two a days. Um, just maximizing the most you can get out of that day. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and when we came back in to wrestle in the afternoon, it was, it was, uh, it was competitive, you know, it was just competitive. And, and, and I guess the way, the best way to describe it is, um, you know, you, just, you didn't want to be the weak link in the chain. You know, you didn't want right. to be, you know, the guy that was not doing the most. You know, and some days that was sprinting, you know, but some days it was working on skill and, you know, and some days it was just having a great workout, you know. So um, it was always about two a days. It was always about getting the most out of the day. And and, and it wasn't unusual to, to come back in the evening and just do something, just something, whether it was come back and jump rope or come back and, you know, and hit some stadium steps, come back and do stance in motion. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't unusual to show up at you know nine o'clock at night or even place a phone call like, hey, you wanna you wanna go hit some stadiums? Yeah, yeah, I'll meet you up there. You know, just um, just a good just a good environment. You know, I, I I saw DC's post not that long ago, and I don't know if that's what made you think of that, but you know, the, you know, those were good those were good times. Those were good times. You know, we're we're all better for it. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what made me think of it. And you know, I'm always just fascinated with kind of going into the environment and, and like what the routines were and kind of how you structured your day and so that's it's just really interesting to, to see that because I think a lot of people on the outside you don't get to experience it as much um and then you know, what would you say was the, the biggest transition for you was it high school to college or um wrestling to coaching they're both pretty big jumps they're just different they're just they're just different um they're just different jumps you know i think yeah. you're very you're very much in control of your destiny when you jump from high school to college right so um for example you're 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 um you want to be diligent and you want to do good in school well then study more right you want to right. um you know wrestle better we'll drill harder and do more practicing and you're, you're, you're in very much control over, over what you want and how immediately it comes. Um, you know, as anybody that's coached, coaching's not that way. I think you spend, we spend a lot of time thinking it's that way. I spent several years thinking it was that way. And then you realize you really don't have a whole lot of control over what people, um, choose to do. Um, so you better learn to be persuasive. Um, you better learn some, <laughs> some tactics in, in, in helping people understand what's at stake. And, and then you realize that, you know, that's not quite as effective as you thought. And you, and you kind of go through this, like this peeling process, right? Where all these, you got all these great ideas about coaching and, 
and, and you're trying them and they're not working and 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 some work and, and you're refining and you're going through things and and then I think you just kind of settle into whatever it is your coaching style is going to be um and and that's not immediate that whole thing takes years you got to go through some ups and some downs and some some try some triumph and some tragedy and you got to kind of experience this gauntlet this gauntlet of things um as a as a coach and I don't mean like personally I mean you know um you know with your athletes you kind of got to go through that 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 wave of uh ups and downs to 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 realize that you're really not as much in control as you think and once you kind of realize that I think that's when you that's when you probably start coaching that's when you really probably start doing your best coaches when you're going mm. You know, I don't, I don't get points for being an idealist. I get, you know, you, you, you get what you get based off what you're working with, you know, and what you can get out of that. And, um, and that's just not immediate. So, you know, what's the biggest yeah. jump, you know, they're both big jumps. Just, just one is, is much more immediate. Right. And then one is much more, um, time consuming and, 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 and it's a greater task of patience you know and uh it just takes time that just takes time on the coaching end of it and you look at a guy take a guy like john wooden right one of the greatest coaches of all time it mm-hmm. took him you know, six seven eight nine seasons before they even won and as he started to it took him that long to kind of find his leadership philosophy and his coaching principles and so mm-hmm. yeah you know, what you're saying is kind of echoing that exactly and i i wonder um now that you're with the Oklahoma RTC, is there a little bit more kind of business involved in that since you're running the fundraising and running things outside of just the practice or mm-hmm. maybe like what, what's the experience been like for you? Yeah, well, one, you know, just it's John Wooden's, you know, phenomenal coach and you read his history and what people say about him and, and, and you know, and the way he went about things. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was, there was a guy who, who who understood coaching and and yeah, uh, yeah just a great read. Any I mean, anybody's interested in coaching should be reading books on Coach Wooden. Um, but you know on the on the RTC front, you know not a whole lot changes. I think you get a lot. You know, I mean, you know, let's just be honest. You know, whether you're coaching in college or coaching, you know, RTC, you know, they're intertwined but they're separate. Um, at the same time, you know whether you're, you know, raising money for the collegiate program or raising money for Olympic hopefuls. I mean, bottom line is you're raising money. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, you got probably take a lot more personal accountability on it on the RTC side, um, you know, because nobody's going to do it for you. Right. There's not like this, this, you know, this, this uh, foundation staff that's going to raise the money for you. You know, we got a board at ours and they obviously do a great job and I can't do it without them and they're tremendous help. Um, but, but, you know, um, but that never ends, you know, anytime you're associated with, with, with wrestling, you're probably going to be raising money. Um, you know, and that's a good skill set. You know, it's not something that's probably natural for most of us. You know, we're not salesmen. You know, we grew up in wrestling rooms and gymnasiums and, and, uh, you know, things of that nature. So it's not probably something that's, uh, that, that's just, you know skill set you develop but uh that's why it's important to be surrounded around good people 
and uh, you know, I'm fortunate on that end, uh, you know, to, to do that. But it does it does exercise part of your brain that you probably don't use otherwise. You know, at least that's been my experience. That's what I found out. And what led you to to take the jump there? Because I know uh, collegially, you know, the Sooners and the Cowboys. There's some there's some uh, rivalry there certainly. Um, but was it just kind of like a progression in your coaching career to kind of take the next step? You need a new a new uh, environment, so to speak. Oh, it's a lo- it's a lot of things. It's it's a it's a it's a lot of things. I think, you know, you know, without making the whole because I could take the whole podcast up with just that, you know, I'll, I'll just say this, you know, anytime I think it's about being comfortable and being uncomfortable and I'll just kind of frame it that way. Um, I've grown the most when I've had opportunity to be uncomfortable, you know, and, and one of my favorite quotes is, is actually by Pope Benedict the 16th. He said, the world offers you comfort but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. And is that just always, and I say always, you know, the quote's only about 10 years old. Um, if even that, maybe eight years old. Um, it just stuck, it just sticks with me. Like the, the world offers you comfort, you know, that, you know, you, 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 you get a girlfriend and that becomes comfortable and you go out to eat and you're enjoying life and, and you should enjoy life. And I, this is not, this is not, I'm not an, an advocate of, 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 you know, ex, you know, extreme stoicism. I'm not going that way with it. I guess where I'm going with it is, is the world does offer us comfort. You know, you can get to a place where you don't want to stretch anymore. You just want to protect. You know, we, we've all gotten there in certain ways where you're like, ah, I don't, I don't want to do too much. You know, I could lose what I already have or, or, you know, you, you go into protect mode rather than continuing to stretch. And I just mm-hmm. think anytime you get an opportunity to get a little uncomfortable, do something new. Um, I shouldn't say anytime. When the right time comes along, there's nothing wrong with stretching, getting uncomfortable. And I just say for me personally, um, man, it's, it's, it's been a blessing for us. You know, our family. Um, new relationships. Like I said, you exercise part of, parts of your brain you didn't before. Um, the freedom, you know, but with freedom comes a lot more responsibility, right? So um, I just kind of, you know, ended on that note, just, yeah, you know, be uncomfortable. When you're uncomfortable, things, you know, you, you just, you develop into a better version of yourself. And I think, yeah, I don't know who said it. I'm sure a lot of people said this, but you know, you, nothing great happens when you're comfortable, right? You gotta, you gotta push and and kind of push those limits back, even though it's super cliche to say. You know, sometimes every day, right? I follow this guy on Instagram, mm-hmm. Jocko Wilnick, who's a former Navy SEAL. That guy gets up at 4:30 every day, takes a picture of his watch to let everyone know he's up at 4:30 and to inspire others. But he's getting uncomfortable right away every day. Um, you know, certainly he doesn't want to do it, but he gets it done. And so yeah, that makes perfect sense why you would take that, uh, take that leap to, to Norman, Oklahoma and, and kind of change things up. Um, and just, uh, while we have here, just a couple uh, more quick kind of rapid fire questions, if that's okay, as we kind of yeah, go ahead. find things down here. Cool. Um, yep. so did you spend a lot of time training, uh, 
in Dagestan or, or training in Russia? It just looks like based on some of your social stuff that you're pretty close with those guys. I'm just curious if you ever had any time over there. I have. I've been in Dagestan twice. Rush that caucus region, things like that. Yeah, extensive periods. Actually, no, three times. I take that back. Three, three times. Yeah. And what? In like, how long were you there for? And like, was it during your competitive career? Oh, oh gosh. I, I think. Uh, go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. I was gonna say because Ossetia. I mean, right there. So Ossetia, Dagestan, that whole kind of area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember one really long trip. I mean, I can't remember the, how many days. I mean, you're making me stretch a little bit, going back a decade or so. Actually, decade and a half, right? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I'd say the better part, you know, a week or two, you know. And then I think there's a trip before that that was maybe not quite that long. And then uh, I know we went in 2017. And that one, I'd, I'd say maybe – I don't know, seven to ten days, somewhere in there, something like that. Yeah, I had uh, Andy Rovat on uh, about three or four episodes ago, and he we spent extensive time over there. And yeah, I'm mm-hmm. just fascinated by uh, fascinated by any one group or person that achieves success over prolonged periods of time, and obviously they know it better than anyone. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is kind of curious on any takeaways you had over there or what that experience was like. Um, takeaways would be they love wrestling, you know, that it, it really just comes down to passion. They're real passionate about it. So when you're passionate about things, it shows, um, you know, they, uh, they got a good system, you know, they, they've really, you know, it's, it's been part of their culture for a long time and, and, uh, it's valued, you know, they place a lot of value on it. Um, just the combat sports in general. Um, yeah when you do, when when you when you do that you know and you and you and you kind of you know throw your whole throw your chips in and say this is what we're going to be successful at um it's only a matter of time you know i remind people that here about the state of oklahoma one of our greatest exports is the sport of wrestling you know um meaning yeah you know we 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 don't we haven't really had a tremendous amount of nfl football players or 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 things you know other sporting figures although there's been some great sportsmen and women you know shannon miller and and, and people like that right there's been some great ones so I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all but one of our greatest exports has been the sport of wrestling so you know we've got to much like that part of the world got to constantly make sure that we're not losing that part of our culture and we're continuing to put it in the forefront of people's minds and that we don't um all of a sudden think we're a uh you know a uh a lacrosse state we're not we're a wrestling <laughs> state, right? and there's nothing wrong with lacrosse great sport i'm just saying yeah oklahoma's not known for lacrosse right so the same way dagestan's not known for lacrosse right they're, they're known for no. wrestling and and they do a very good job of always keeping that on the forefront of everybody's mind you know just with the posters of their you know i've been to hasa if you were in places like that and you know the posters of the world olympic champions all over the city you know, just reminding that next generation constantly that, uh, you know, you can do this too. You know, these people are from here. So uh, I, that's probably those the guys thing are, to take out of that. Those guys are awesome. Important. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, AKA, it seems like it's becoming kind of a, a mini Dagestan camp over there with, with Habib and him bringing a lot of guys over. And it, it makes sense because, like, the American fighters who had AKA, a lot of them are wrestlers and they have that kind of grind mentality. 
So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see uh, kind of what comes out of there because I know there's just a stable of guys in Dagestan who I'm sure could step right in the UFC right away and go. We don't even know yeah, them, maybe. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then one of the other questions I was curious about is, you know, you went to Oklahoma State and, you know, when you were there, it was pretty much you guys in Iowa. Like, what was the what was the Iowa rivalry like for the Cowboys at that time? Did you think of them as a rival? And is that something that you guys got up for? I mean, I know the media likes to kind of build it up, but always curious to know what it's like from the inside. Um, well, one, Minnesota was good at that time, too. Um, you know, so, uh, I mean, they, they were, they were, I want to say one year, I remember them maybe getting second and Oklahoma State got third. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, I don't want to, you know, misrepresent, you know, history. But um, yes and no. I mean, yes and no. I, you know, I mean, we're most of the good wrestlers, you know, from one of those two schools, probably. Probably, you know, I mean, yeah, it seemed to be that way, but, um, but for me personally, um, no, you know, there there was days I thought about it and then there was days I felt like it was wasted energy. Like it doesn't matter. doesn't matter who he is or where he's from, you know, I'm getting too, 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 too high or too low about about stuff. It's, It's kind of taxing in the long scheme you know in the grand scheme of things and um i I never remember thinking you know pin this guy's picture on my wall and you know he's from this school and i gotta hate him um i I never looked at it that way you know it it just felt like wasted energy to me you know but but that's not to say that you don't have a, a heightened sense of awareness that something's important you know um you know uh that's not to say that you know, my, my, but my instinct was to not waste too much time or energy on it. It just felt, uh, it felt like in the long, in the grand scheme of things that hate would burn me up rather than fire me up. If that makes any sense. It does. And it's a lot the guys have asked about that on here who went to one of those two schools, all kind of say the same that, yeah, you got up for it because that's where most of the time the best guys were. I mean, not exclusively, but that was more so the meaning behind it versus the school or the logo behind it. Um, so I mean, in the end, the guys that beat me, the NCAA tournament, neither one was from there. I lost a guy from Cal state Bakersfield and Wisconsin my freshman year. Right. So um, maybe I should have been gotcha. more focused on Cal state Bakersfield <laughs> or, Wisconsin, or Wisconsin, you know, I mean, I mean, it's just, I, like, like, you know, like, like we're saying, I guess uh, you've asked other people that question and I, I haven't heard their, their responses yet, but uh, you know, you just, there, I think, you know, there's so much to, there's so much that can consume you. There's so much that can take up your hours and your day and your time that you got to be careful of how many units of energy you put into hate. And you got to be careful about how many units of energy you put into a, 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 a sense of tribalism, you know, this us versus them mentality. I mean, you know, at, at the at extreme points, it's the kind of stuff that starts wars. Right. Um, so, 
to me, it just felt like, ah, I better watch myself. I'm getting a little caught up in this. You know, in the end, either I'm going to have more points than he has or he's going to have more points than me. And uh, that's all that really matters, you know, to almost got to look at him like, you know, kind of faceless, nameless, just Who body. Said that? Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Who said the faceless, nameless? Was it what? I've heard several people say it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, okay. obviously somebody I've come in contact with because I got <laughs> it somewhere, but, but, um, but I'm not, I'm not just saying that, you know, I'm a pretty honest person. You know, I'm not just saying that, you know, you know, for yeah. high, for, you know, to, you know, increased dramatic effect. I'm, I, I truly believe that, you know, I, I, I truly felt that way. Right. Yeah. And it's, it kind of goes back to rather than having a bunch of thoughts, kind of having an empty mind and, and just going out there and doing what you do versus anything else. And as we, as we kind of wrap up here, I love to just hit on this last thing is, and we've talked about this before, but you know, when you look at wrestling and how it impacted your life, I mean, what has it done for you and you know, how has it kind of shaped who you are as a person? That's a, it's like a profound question, right? I mean, um, I think the first thing that always comes to my mind and, and I've answered this question, you know, in different interviews, but you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, 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 is just wrestling owes me like nothing, 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 you know, but, but everything that I have, I, I, I truly owe to wrestling. Um, I truly owe it to wrestling. You know, I have a a great home life and you know, a wonderful wife and you know, great children and you know, there's that wrestling connection. I owe it to wrestling, right? Um, I get to make a living out of doing what I like to do, which is coaching wrestling. Um, you know, what have I learned? Learn how to be a good father. Learn to be patient. Learn to listen. Listen to people. Listen to my wife. You know, sometimes she's like, "Are you gonna say anything?" She's like, "I'm just listening." You know, I'm I'm not sure I could I could do that. I'm not sure that's in my personality. I'm, I think years of coaching, you just you, you just develop a set of listening skills that 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 aren't really instinctive. You know. Um, you know, listen to your children, you listen to what they're telling you and you internalize it. And, you know, the ability, what have I learned? And what are the, the ability to make change? You know, the ability to stick with something. Cause we all know, um, are you married, Ryan? I don't know. If, no, sir. I'm not. You know, well, you know, I'm sure you had relationships and relationships aren't easy, whether they're personal relationships, whether they're platonic relationships, whether they're just friendships, relationships aren't easy you know and and in all relationships whether they're platonic or personal you know or i should say romantic you know there's days you feel like giving up like i don't want to talk to this person today well you need to and there's days your athletes can drive you so crazy you don't feel like talking to them either but you need to you have to and 
it's what's best for everybody is to constantly communicate. So you learn to communicate and I can just go on and on and on about this list of things that, that, that I've ascertained from the sport of wrestling and all of them are positive. All of them are positive. You know, I just, I truly believe I would not be the, the husband, brother, father, um, that I am today without having gone through this journey in the sport of wrestling. I just, I just know myself well enough to know that, uh, you know, um, it'd be really difficult. You know, it's funny. Um, I was having a conversation, you know, we have a daughter and then, and then we've actually had four boys after her, uh, Ishmael, Adam, Aaron, and this new one, uh, Elias. <laughs> and, and, uh, we were driving one day and we were listening to the radio and, and uh, Kid Rock song was on. Of all people, Kid Rock, right? And he has this line. He has this line in this song, and it says something about the art of growing old. And then it says something about rock and roll can save your soul. And and this is you know this is ten years ago maybe. And and our oldest, she's a girl. You know, she said, "Dad, rock and roll can't save your soul." And, you know, and she's obviously relying on her. You know you know, CCD and RE education, mm-hmm. where they cover those things, you know, in the Catholic church. And, and, <laughs> uh, it can't, can't, the Arkansas can't save your soul, dad. I said, I know, honey, I know, I know. But, you know, maybe it did his. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you, you don't know what leads people in that direction. You know, I mean, and we had this long talk about passion and finding your passion in life. And when you love something so much and you're so passionate and you care so much about something, which I do about wrestling, um, you experience a lot of ups and downs. You experience a lot of hardship. You experience a lot of moments where you're not sure you can continue. You experience moments where you just have to will yourself into a victory a better situation, a takedown, whatever the case may be. And through that, oftentimes, if not all the time, we realize, man, I can't do this on my own. I can't. I'm giving it all I've got, and it still doesn't feel like enough. And it's at that point I think we start looking upward. And and so I guess where I was going with that is, you know, that song he said, you know, rock and roll, you know, can save your soul. Maybe it did his. Maybe he cared about music so much, and he, so he experienced all these ups and downs and, and all these terrible things or all these positive things that, that, you know, he wanted something so bad, he knew he could not ascertain it on his own, and he had to start looking up. Maybe that's where you find God. You know, maybe wow, some don't need it, is, you know. So I guess where I'm going, where it's, you know. Yeah, just, you know, circling that back to relevancy, you know, what did I learn? You know, what's the sport of wrestling done for me? Probably the greatest thing it's done for me is, you know, made me fall in love with it so much that there was days I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So I had to start looking upward, rely on something a little bit more powerful than just me. And uh, I hope to pass that on to our children and, and, you know, run our family that way. And, all I can hope is that my children are, my boys are better men than me. And I can say our oldest, she's already a much more 
better human being than I ever was at that age. So, um, right. You know, so what's it done for me? Everything. <laughs> Everything. No, no question about it. I mean, there's so many takeaways there. I'm just trying to absorb it and really listen to what you're saying. It's, um, it's something I'll have to go back and listen to again. Cause I think there's a couple parts there where the one thing that sticks out though is like when you really love something or have a passion for something, you're going to experience a lot of ups and downs and it's not just going to be smooth sailing. And that's where the, the moments of growth come in is when you kind of hit those, those low points, those rock bottoms, so to speak. Yeah. Huh. Now do your, yeah. do your kids wrestle at all? Yes. Uh, oldest sons wrestle the two or youngest or two. They're not, they're not old enough yet, but uh, my oldest, uh, he's 13 and he's, he's pretty heavy into wrestling. Yes. That's gotta be a fun experience going to those, going to that, those little tournaments and kind of seeing everything from the uh, oh. perspective that, that your parents did. <laughs> oh, it's an experience. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's good. We enjoy it. It's, it's, it's time well spent. I bet. Well, Mr. Uh, Guerrero, I really appreciate your time today. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and you hope to kind of keep you in the, in the circle here and, and chat with you again at some point. Cause I know there's a lot more we could have talked about. So thanks again. Absolutely. Anytime. Good luck. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.